So the date is the 26th of July 2010 and I am here with Bob Gilmore, Linda Buckley and Judith Ring to talk about the latest CD from the Ergodos label uh, Dove. So Bob if I could start with you, can you tell me a little bit about the background of this release, how it actually came about? Yes, well, um, in 2006, I formed um, Trio Scoraturo, which is an ensemble consisting of female voice, viola, and myself playing electronic keyboards, uh, which is a pretty unusual combination. But the ensemble came about because we enjoyed working together and collaborating as musicians and so forth, so we, we decided to make some music together. And because there's not a lot written for that combination, uh, we almost immediately uh, felt we wanted to commission new pieces from you know from composers, and um, really for two reasons. Partly because I myself am from Ireland, you know, from up the north in County Antrim. Uh, I was interested in looking at young Irish composers, seeing what they were doing, and they'd be interested in writing for us. And also, um, I tended to ask younger composers rather than older composers because younger composers sometimes are. Um, should we say more flexible with the kind of approaches they can bring to making new pieces for that kind of unusual combination. Uh, we also have the um, technical, uh, I suppose, uh, peculiarity that the music we do is very often tuned in a different way than the normal equal temperament, the way the piano is tuned and the way most Western instruments are tuned these days. So um, a lot of the pieces use either different tuning systems or microtones and or microtones um, and different approaches to thinking about harmony and about musical materials. So that's, you know, that's up to quite unusual and I guess say quite a challenging ensemble for somebody to write for. So I had, uh, the first person I asked to compose for us from Ireland was Scott McLaughlin, who wrote a terrific piece which is on the CD called Marks. And following from that, we, uh, I had gotten to know Ben Shepard Connolly and Eric Chalmers from my various business over here. And um, they suggested uh, putting together a whole CD project, um, ask some young Irish you know, composers to write for it. So I thought it was a great idea. I didn't really believe it was going to happen, I must say, when they proposed the idea. I thought it was a wonderful idea, but it'll never actually come together. And sure enough, you know, it's only, whatever, I suppose, two and a half years or something after that initial idea, there is the finished product sitting on your table. So were each of these works written especially for the CD with, with, the, with, the, with the idea of, of having the CD in mind? Uh, I think all apart from one, yes, correct. Um, in the, the piece, the last piece on the CD, which is a very beautiful, mellow piece by Ben Schlemmer Connolly, that was actually done before. Uh, but all the rest was especially written for us, yes, and with, I think the idea was the CD was in mind at the time we approached the composers, but I'm not 100% sure that's uh, completely true. Um, but yes, it was written for, you know, for us in the first instance and then you know, the idea was recorded. Because so. that, that is in, uh, unusual in a sense in new music in that, that the, you know, the end goal being the recording and actually producing you know, pieces, especially for that CD, is sure. quite, it's quite, quite... Well, I think it's very important to record. Um, I mean, partly because the music that we do is, you know, we... Um, it gets harder and harder every year to get concerts, basically, because of the, you know, the funding situation, which is the same in Holland, where we are based, as I'm sure it is over here. So you can't, unfortunately, count on that as being the basic way you would get your music to people. In other words, you know, the live thing is a bit like a kind of luxury, almost, rather than the normal way of doing it. So I always thought, I had this idea that we would like to record as much as we possibly can of the good new pieces that come into us. Um, and we're very fortunate to have a good working relationship with uh, this fellow called Johan van der Malen, 
who is a recording engineer in Belgium, who lives in the middle of the countryside in, in Flanders, very rural sort of environment, and has a studio there. And um, we have a good working relationship with him, so basically I would almost always think to contact him if we get a new piece to record. So we've actually recorded quite a few other pieces uh, that haven't come out yet, but it's just, you know, it's very important, and it's also so easy these days to record and to edit and to get stuff up on the internet, so um, more than ever before, so that's the way we like to do it. Yeah, so recording is really an integral part of your work as a, as a group. Definitely, yeah, sure. Well, it's also just a way of getting stuff that, I mean, you know, these seven pieces already, there's somebody in America has bought them, so they've already, you know, the CD's been out about three days now, and already people over there are hearing it, so, you know, it's a way of getting me to travel really quickly. Mm. And am I right in saying that this is your debut album? It is. Uh, we actually have another one recorded that hasn't come out yet, which was supposed to be our debut album. But because Airboaters were so fast and efficient, <laughs> don't let the grass go under their feet, uh, this has become our debut album. In fact, it was supposed to be the second one, but it's actually the first. So, Linda, um, Dove, you have the, um, I suppose, the honour in, 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 in the sense of writing the, the, the title track. Presumably, that's that end that that uh, came about towards the end of the rep of the process in terms of the of the CD. Mm, I mean, it was quite interesting. This was when I was working on the piece. Um, I this often happens to me when I'm, I'm working on a piece. I don't initially begin maybe with the title, and the title sort of comes to me in, in the middle of the compositional process. And when I was working on the piece, it really felt to me like it was uh, the listener was almost like in this kind of dark cavernous space, and shafts of light light are coming through and. And I kept thinking about the, the word dove and I suppose coming from a tradition of, you know, Irish music myself and Shannon singing, that kind of thing, um, using the, the Gaelic of the word black um, seemed quite interesting to me. And also we were discussing this the other day, um, how there's this really interesting pool of Irish composition which is represented on the CD um, and dove ling meaning dark pool as well, so Dublin. You know, so there's all these connections as well, which was quite interesting. And I guess in some sense there is this um, quite ambient um, kind of gothic sensibility within my own piece, Dove, on this CD. So I felt that it was quite relevant. And how closely did you work with the performers when, 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 you, were, when you were writing this? Were, were you in contact with, with, with the group? We worked quite closely. Um, I remember seeing the group... Um, in a, a church performance and this really struck me as being so appropriate to the kind of music that they played at the time. Um, something about the, the reverberant acoustic and um, this really informed my own piece um, when you get these big kind of rich reverberant kind of resonances. Um, and I initially worked on the piece um, with the electronics and combining the acoustic instruments and, and Bob's keyboard um, to try to create a very unified sound world between the live and the, the electronic aspects. Um, and I think there's something interesting about working with performers who you know as well, actually on a, on a more a personal level. Um, there's this sense that they really understand what you're trying to do and they really um, can get very deep into the sort of emotional aspect of what you're trying to do because they actually know you as a person as well and kind of work with you on that level. Mm -hmm. So I think that's very interesting. Rather than sending a score to some ensemble on the other side of the world who you've never met. And this kind of thing. So I think there is that sort of connection and that sort of a magic happens in the rehearsal process then where there's this deep, kind of deep sense of understanding with the, the song we're trying to produce. And just about your earlier point about 
the pool of young Irish composers and the sort of connections between them. Do you feel connected as a composer to to like a scene, or, or how how do you see yourself fitting fitting into that? People often talk about the, the you know the young composers in Ireland at the moment and the sense of um, support and encouragement between them, and I think that is incredibly important. And I found that very much over the years, um, the sense that you know we're very very um, open to um, working together, and there's I feel personally that there's a, you know very little sense of sort of rivalry or this kind of thing. The sense that we really want to come together and produce something. Um, and I think it's a really exciting time to be here at the moment, actually. And there's a lot of sort of underground activity, um, um, where there's you know venues opening up in, in different spaces all the time. Um, and I think there's you know it's it's a really interesting time to be here, actually. Because you were up until recently living in Berlin, and you returned, and you're ba you're now based in Dublin. Mm. So um, in, in the time that you were away, and obviously there's been a lot of change mm. in, in Ireland and in, in, in the arts and in new music. I mean, to what extent have you sort of seen these changes in, in, in composition? And, and are you kind of hopeful in terms of, you know, the development and where things are going and, you know, the uncertain times that we're in? I'm very, very hopeful. I think that, um, you know, there's a really strong sense at the moment of younger composers being having such a strong sense of initiative and setting up their own projects and setting up their own concerts and ensembles. And I mean, Argodus, of course, being an, an excellent example of that, you know, really um, being at the forefront of um, having such initiative and the sense that you can really do something um, without, you know, massive funding, just, you know, in art spaces or galleries, or, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be in bigger concert halls and this kind of thing. of. Um, this more underground activity and I noticed that very much of course in Berlin and I think there is that sensibility emerging much more here now actually as well of um, these sort of underground activities happening which is very interesting. And what do you think is kind of making that happen? Is it the fact that you know composers have experienced like yourself uh, new music in other countries and, and are sort of reflecting that in, in terms of how they approach their projects or do you think it's because of you know, economic necessities, the fact that there are there isn't a lot of funding around for, you know, for big projects, so you have to work within the means. Well, I think it's both of those things, and I also think that it's um, like a domino effect as well, when you, you know, there's a very close sense of, of you know, friends working together as composers, um, and seeing that it can be done, and seeing that somebody has done it, okay, well, I can actually set up maybe my own ensemble, and I can do this, and I can put on concerts, and um, that it is achievable, and that, you know, we can work together and, and really uh, produce something new. So I think there's that sense of a growing confidence in that it's possible and that there is an audience for it and there's a sort of a hunger for it and um, you know I think now is the time to, to really um, be, be going in that direction. I think it's very very exciting. So Judith, uh, can you tell me about the, the piece uh, that you've written for, for the ensemble that's uh, featured on the CD? Yeah, um, I wrote a piece called Hush for the adapted viola and tape or backing track as <laughs> we called it yesterday. Um, yeah, it's a piece for, for Harry Part invented this instrument called the, or well, he adapted the viola, a normal viola, to, to so that it can have uh, microtonal, more microtonal uh, usages. And so, um, yeah, it was written for Elizabeth Schmalt and she did a fantastic job, but it was great working with her on the project and 
I went over to Amsterdam to record her playing the viola. Um, I took samples of her playing the instruments. She had two adapted violas, actually, isn't that right? Mm. Yeah, two. So I took samples of both the violas, and uh, they make up the, the tape part of the piece. And it was just a, she's just a beautiful person to work with, and she's so softly spoken, and kind of, she's got this incredible voice and demeanor about her, and I just thought the title Hush was very appropriate to, to what came out. Basically, her personality comes out very strongly, I think, in the piece. And, um, yeah, I just, I think it came out very well. So explain a little bit more of this idea of uh, an adapted viola. How how does it actually how does it actually work? Um, is it detuned in a certain <coughs> way or? It's tuned in a slightly different way, isn't it, Bob? I can't quite remember what the tuning is anymore. <laughs> so sorry. Um, it's a fourth lower than the normal viola. Yes, would be, so yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it has a longer neck, so you get more kind of space to, to work with the microtones between the normal tones that you would have on a, on a straightforward viola. So. And how did you, as a composer, sort of get used to, you know, working for that instrument, which is effectively a, a, diff a different instrument than, mm. than the sort of standard viola. Is it a question of, you know, as you, as you said, spending a lot of time with Elizabeth, listening, you know, hearing her play, um, listening to other recordings, looking at other pieces. I mean, how, tell me a little bit about the process behind that. <coughs> um, I think most of my basic research for writing for that instrument came from yeah the recordings I did with her and the work that I did with her on the on the days that I was there. Um, and because I had all the material there to listen to, I, I kind of listened very you know deeply to the recordings that I make and so I had a very good sense of what was possible on the instrument for to write for her live part. And her, the live part is quite free in some ways, so um, it's more gestural than you know notational pitched forms. Uh, so it gave her a lot of room to, to, to experiment against the tape part as well. So, um, yeah, I guess I just yeah I just learned from the recordings I made and from working with her on the piece. She showed me how mm. how it all worked. And In terms of the, 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 the process of producing the recording, and uh, you know obviously you wrote, you wrote the work and worked mm. worked with Elizabeth as you said. Uh, taking that a stage further, uh, re recording the work and editing, um, what sort of input did you as, as, a, as a composer have into that? Um, well, Gareth would send me the, the edits that, that they had recorded in the studio all the time and then, yeah, so I had to kind of sign off on, on the different takes and say which ones that I, I preferred and thought would work best in the, in the final results. That's I didn't get to actually go over to the studio unfortunately, but um yeah, so I just had to give my opinion over from the, from the sound files they would send me and mm. that way. This could be a question for both of you, but I'll, I'll maybe start with you first, Linda. As a composer, as a young composer, you know, where do you see recordings fitting in in in, in terms of your work, in terms of the promotion and you know, your 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 work overall? I think it's incredibly important. I mean, I think often for younger composers, um, you know, they might be producing a lot of new pieces and they get played maybe once. And so, you know, if you don't get a good recording in that performance, then it's, you know, probably put on the shelf and you're not going to maybe 
um, have a performance for another while, or maybe you know, it's, it's, it can be quite difficult. So once you have that, um, it's such a solid entity, and you have it, you know, so tangible. Um, a good recording, I think, it's so incredibly important, um, and to put energy and time into that, um, rather than trying to rely on getting a really good recording in one performance, I'd say. So um, I think that um, perhaps more emphasis should be placed on on that, actually. You know, Bob, you were you were mentioning about uh, ensembles uh, or, or your 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 work, your own work in w with your group, and the fact that recording is a very central part of it. Do you think, in, in general, uh, that uh, new music performance is sort of it's not mainstreaming recordings as a central part of their uh, of their of a group's activities, as you know, in in the way that you've done it? Um, well. Uh, the way I see it is that um, my feeling about the sort of the way the new music scene is evolving, let's say, in the, in the 21st century, is that there are more and more ensembles of a non-standard kind. So I'm totally all for you know the more ensembles the merrier, and as far as I'm concerned, the weirder you know <laughs> the instrumentation, the better I like it in general. Um, so in other words, uh, I think we're moving out of the era where there's such a thing as a kind of standardised new music ensemble, which would have been represented by something like take an example of the London Sinfonietta, we would have a certain kind of instrumentation that would be much the same as instrumentation of, say, Ensemble Contemporain, which would be the same as, you know, Ensemble Moderne, and so on. Um, and although those ensembles obviously still exist, they're still doing great work and so forth, but I think there is a, a growth now in terms of very non-standard ensembles. And with that in mind, I see the role of recording becoming even more important in that, for example, take, you know, my own ensemble with its, you know, pretty much unique combination of you know female voice viola and electronic keyboards there isn't any other ensemble that I'm aware of that has that instrumentation so if Linda or Jude or you know any of the wrote pieces for us um, they have that piece it's not that likely to get picked up by another ensemble with the same instrumentation because there isn't one therefore the idea of recording a piece uh, seems to be even more important as a way of getting it heard uh, so the idea of a piece being able to travel around from country to country to a very similar sort of ensemble I think now is maybe something a little bit was true, you know, before the recent uh, years, and that's true now. So, in other words, what you're saying is really, it's almost about, you know, documenting, documenting the work, documenting the process, you know, documenting the the, the sound as mm -hmm. opposed to it being used as a promotional tool for that work to get performed again. I mean, in other yes. words, it's it's almost like, you know. Uh, to kind of connect it with with uh, rock and pop music that you know you are the group mm -hmm. the music that you play is mm -hmm. the music that's written for you so therefore yeah. it's most likely that you're going to you're going to perform it unless and, and if another group performs it then it's a sort of a cover version or a, a lesser version yeah well, <laughs> the that, that's not that's not so crazy you know that's a bit the way I, I, I think about it mm -hmm. and um, I, I suppose I maybe have a little bit the old-fashioned belief that, that live performance and studio recordings are different worlds in a mm -hmm. sense. So we find that particularly acutely with uh, a couple of pieces on this CD that um, what we did in the studio would be maybe a bit different than we would do in a concert situation. Um, but that's fine because basically you're, it's interesting you use the word documentation, which is a very important concept. But you've got, as I see it, you've got a difference between documenting something, which would really mean capturing say a performance or something like taking a photograph of something would be a kind of document. What you're doing in the studio it seems to me is kind of more than that, it's more like the example you gave of a rock, the way a rock band would, would record themselves, they want to make a kind of beautiful, perfect portrait of the music uh, in this luxurious environment of the studio. 
Um, so there's a little bit of a difference between wanting to really make something. And I think we had the feeling with the CD, even though all the pieces are, you know, composed pieces, there's little bits of improvisation in some of the pieces, like in Linda's or, um, but by and large, they're all composed music. So we had the idea we were, were trying to make a kind of, you know, portrait of these seven pieces um, that nonetheless would hang together as a whole thing with a kind of coherence uh, to the sound world, um, you know, despite the actual big differences musically from piece to piece, which for sure is, is there as well. Just a final question uh, to you, Bob. In terms of, you know, you have, I suppose, the advantage of, of, of you know, maybe being able to look in on the scene and what's happening mm -hmm. here, you know, from your from your kind of vantage point, mm -hmm. you know, based in Amsterdam, and mm -hmm. uh, you maybe have a, a slightly more distance. To what extent have you seen the kind of new music see, um, scene evolve over the last like you know, five or six years? You know, sort of picking up on what uh, Linda was saying about you know the fact that there are sort of scenes and things are growing and changing. Yeah. Well, I think the, the new music scene in Ireland has, has transformed incredibly in the past, you know, what would you say, certainly the past 10 years, you know, and particularly indeed in, in, in recent years. Uh, it's completely different than it was when I was growing up. You know, okay, I was growing up in the north rather than in Dublin, but it's an utterly changed thing. And um, I do think Irish music has, has um, expanded and widened its kind of, you know, view on what is possible in music uh, in recent years. Um, we can speculate about the reasons for that, but you know, I, I do think there is indeed something like a kind of new generation of composers, of which the seven people on this disc would, would be, you know, a cross section of that generation, let's say. And um, it's hard to really say what would be kind of unifying factors, but I think you could point to certain things. I mean, there's an interest in technology, obviously. There's an interest in new technical procedures that wouldn't have been true in the 1990s. So, for example, the use of, of microtonal tunings is one example, which is relevant to us. Uh, it's something that's quite recent, uh, you know, in the music being made in Ireland now. Um, various other interests in new kinds of textures, uh, greater blurring of genres, perhaps, so that some of the pieces on this disc would have maybe one foot in a kind of more popular music or dance music, perhaps, sort of sound world than they would in, say, a conventional old-fashioned contemporary music uh, sound world. Um, so all those possibilities opening up. So I mean, I, I think it's a tremendously exciting time for Irish new music, I really do. And I think it's, uh, despite the recent economic downturn, <laughs> I don't think, um, my hope anyway is that I mean, the arts are, are very resilient and you know they have a way of keeping going even in times of financial adversity. So I'm very optimistic that this, the present energy in Ireland is going to continue into the future you know, without too much trouble. And uh, Judith, if I could, if if I could uh, turn to you, um, you have recently returned from York, yeah, in the UK, right. and, and, yeah. and you're now sort of permanently based in Ireland. After how many years were you away for? Uh, seven, seven years, yeah, I think. So, so from your perspective as a composer i mean have you have you seen uh, have you seen a change happening uh, as well in in the new music yeah, scene and things have changed enormously especially i think in the last 5 years or so yeah um and there was a lot of stuff happening when i was here before like back you know 7 years ago or <laughs> whatever um but i think now it's just m much more vibrant there's more people kind of really getting out there and just making things happen as as i was saying earlier yeah it's just and there's a you know there's a tremendous sense of community mm -hmm. within the, 
the younger generation of composers. I think we all have each other's back and kind of we try to promote each other as much as possible and kind of yeah, basically strive to to put on exciting events and make things happen. So and it's becoming more and more possible now. I think over just with different venues allowing you to do things and um, yeah, just people writing more music and diverse music. There's a, we're all very different. I think I think we all have very different. Uh, approaches to what we do, so it makes for a very interesting uh, night of music whenever it happens. So. Judith, what do you have coming up? What's coming up? Gosh, um, at the moment I'm writing a piece for uh, the singer Michelle O'Rourke, she's a very good performer. Um, it's a piece for her and hopefully cello, Kate Ellis, hopefully on the cello. Um, so I'm in the process of writing that at the moment, it's very exciting, it's based on a Samuel Beckett poem. Um, and I hope to have that finished by early next year or late this year uh, it's on the way and then I have an exciting project coming up next year um, which we just got to go ahead for uh, to put on a week long festival here in Dublin in the Cube in the Project Art Centre called Sensorium and that involves just a lot of different types of um, approaches to music a lot of different forms of disciplines in music like music and video music and dance music and you know, just straightforward contemporary music, um, improvisation, we're trying to mix mix everything together in a very kind of, um, more like an exhibit than a, an event, really. People can come in and walk around and come and go as they please and, you know, take it all in. And there's different spaces within the room to, so your, your attention is constantly shifting to, to different parts of the room, um, which hopefully keeps things fresh and exciting. And, uh, there's lots of projections and it's, it's quite it's quite a huge project and there'll be workshops and all sorts of things happening during the week so we're very very excited about that it's me and two colleagues of mine from York Angie Majaya and Emily Calice so. and that's taking place when uh, early spring yeah we haven't we don't have an exact date yet but probably the first week of March hopefully so. um, and then I'm also collaborating with a friend of mine Laura Highland who's uh, singer, songwriter, and improviser, and she does incredibly original work. Um, she had a CD out last year, and we're working on some new material together at the moment. So, and Linda, what do you what do you have coming up in terms of future work and projects? There's actually a, a few concerts coming up, if I can mention them. Yeah, <laughs> do do absolutely, yeah. So on the fifth of August, there's a concert coming up with the Spatial Music Collective and the Dublin Guitar Quartet in hmm. collaboration. So that should be a really exciting night in the Smock Alley Theatre just down the road here. Um, mm. So we're going to be um, putting on new pieces by members of the Space News Collective mm. and also there'll be uh, works from N Debates hexaphonic guitar so that should be really interesting so multi-channel electronics with electric guitar um, and I'm also curating um, the next or the September Kaleidoscope in Odessa um, so that should be a, a very exciting night combining things like Baroque Recorder uh, music for myself, music for my sister Irene, um, and my sister Annette is a singer, so it'll be a big sort of family affair. <laughs> that should be a really interesting night. And I'm also working on a, a new piece for the National Symphony Orchestra, um, which will be uh, premiered in April of next year. Great. 
Grace. So uh, that's my main project at the moment that I'm sinking my teeth into. Fantastic, lots going on. Mm. Um, and Bob, in terms of uh, your your own group's work, what, what do you have? Are, I mean, are you going to uh, tour the album or have you already? <laughs> <laughs> I wish, well, we did a couple of pre tours, let's say, with performing the pieces in Amsterdam and in Berlin, sort of thing. So, well, me, I mean, I, you know, I, I divide my time between um, teaching at Brunel University in London and then my two other real lives, which are being a musicologist and writing about music and a uh, performer with the, the trio. And um, I'm in the minute, uh, because it's the summer now, I'm in the final throes of trying to finish a book that I've been writing for about the past eight years, <laughs> which is a biography of the wonderful French-Canadian composer Claude Vivier, but I'm in the last big push now to get that finished, and that's hopefully going to be done uh, relatively soon. And with the trio, uh, we've got two other CD projects that are... Um, occupying us now after this one. Uh, one is a collaboration with an American noise artist, Al Margolis, so it's a bit uh, different and fun. Uh, the other is a portrait CD of an English composer, Christopher Fox, who is a very interesting, unusual, um, somewhat experimental uh, person. So we're, recorded, we're about to record a whole album of his music. So, you know, diversity is a of life and all that. And hopefully the first of many releases uh, of new Irish music I would love to do a, a volume two, yes. Linda thinks we should do a volume two and call it, uh, what did you have to call it? Born. Born. <laughs>